0: Welcome to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Now, the podcast, uh, a little different than the big show uh, that happens uh, Monday through Friday across the country. If you've never watched uh, the big show, uh, go to rickandbubba.com. You'll find out all the information there. Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, is an opportunity, Bubba, for us to sit back, do a long-form uh, interview with, with people of interest and, and to talk about topics that are on the minds of, of all of us. Some of them are very serious. Some of them are, are very goofy. Uh, some of them are, are somewhere in between. We might even go back and Rick and Bubba history. But today uh, we're going to be talking uh, about a topic that uh, it comes up way too much, and and this is the controversy revolving firearms. I mean, involving uh, uh, firearms and revolving around firearms.
1: Rick James Brant is our guest today, and he's someone you've introduced me to. Yeah. And uh, Rick, he's a former G man. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll find out from him. Uh, James, tell us a little bit about what you did and 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 how you did it.
2: Well, I spent 30 years in the FBI. I retired as a domestic terrorism supervisor. I worked through um, different protocols. I was a pilot, a uh, Czech airman. I flew a good bit. I spoke Spanish, so I traveled around. Uh, I worked in Puerto Rico for a while. Worked, Hola. I worked public corruption in uh, San Juan and in Bur- and Birmingham, Of course, both are target rich environments for public corruption. I was a bank robbery coordinator for a number of years and a firearms instructor.
0: So, other than that, uh, the. uh, Sounds like you you had a lot of fun. I I, I told Bubba that, you know, there's certain people you don't trade stories with. And you're one of them, uh, you know. When, 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 when I'm talking about you know the year I made all county in 1980, and then you talk about that you were pretending to be a you know a drug runner, and you were you were you were landing speaking fluent Spanish as your partner pretended to be a buyer. I thought to myself, ah, I, I guess I, I guess my stories won't stand up. But you you've been involved with some pretty incredible things. Some you probably can talk about, and a lot you probably can. not Yes, sir. Uh, you just leave it at that. Yes. Yeah, James. If
1: we if we if we veer into any area you don't want to talk about, just say you don't want to talk about it, and we'll sure. we'll move on to something. Yeah, right you could even
0: you could even say next question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I know that currently what you're doing, uh, and we certainly will talk about some some of the things going on in our country. But but really, we want to land today uh, because I think it's important for us to have a discussion about firearms, which yes. is your expertise. Uh, you you currently train people on the proper use of weapons. You've trained me. You've trained uh, my wife, I know you want us to come back for more, uh, but uh, but you also go around training. Uh, t- tell people what you're doing now.
2: Well, basically, uh, most of my clients are, are older women, uh, women that have lost their husbands that are uh, in great distress, and we come in and do basic firearm safety with them. I'm a uh, United States Concealed Carry Instructor, Glock Instructor, and a Master Instructor in the M1 Grand and the 1903 from the Civilian Marksmanship Program.
0: Okay. Uh, some of that I know what you're talking about, but... <laughs> But do you see, because of the state of our country—I mean, I know the answer to this. It seems pretty obvious, but I want to get your view on it—that there is a—people now—people I would have never thought of. You talked about some of these older women that are now widowed. There's a huge interest in being able to use a weapon properly, especially a handgun, to protect yourself. I've never seen it at the levels that that I see it now.
2: And it depends on who's president. Uh, If a Republican's in office, people are afraid the government's going to take their guns— Gun sales slow down, uh, Democrats in office, or if there's a civil unrest, it uh, picks up greatly.
0: And and the, uh, people are, though, trying to seek. I know, like uh, with my wife was the same way, many people are. Just because you have a weapon, you know, there's a certain, you know, anxiety about it. I don't know how to use it, and I don't know how to use it properly. Uh, they can be, you know, weapons... In you know, themselves, can are, are not dangerous, but the, the the misuse of them it can be quite dangerous. So uh, so the, that's the thing I'm seeing a lot of people trying to find someone. You've been very busy. You told me you yes, went sir. you went from being in retirement to now I'm working as much as I've ever worked. Yes, sir. Uh, and and you have seen it because of the state of our society. There's definitely been a a demand for your job more than ever.
2: Correct. I had two students yesterday. Never touched a gun before. One was 24 and one was 71.
1: James, what, uh, when it comes to firearm safety, what is the, the number one mistake you see people make?
2: Um, people not understanding that a gun can be loaded when it looks like it's not loaded. Accidental discharges are what some people call negligent discharges. They're the most dangerous thing.
1: You know, I often, uh, and when I was teaching my kids, I always said no one gets shot with a loaded gun. It's always an unloaded gun that the accidents happen in. That the accidents happened, yes, right. It. That they 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 thought it was unloaded, but it really wasn't. Correct.
0: Yeah, and and I, and, and you
1: don't get a second chance with a firearm.
0: And once
2: the bullet leaves, it's
0: gone. Yeah. So talk about when mm-hmm. you you were I know when when Sherry and I came in because I think there's some people that may be watching this or I this. bet that was something yeah, by right, the way right, yeah, James right. them too yeah
2: with guns that was that was what five or six years ago yeah and
0: <laughs> and and so when we when we came in you know honestly. Bubba and I were raised, and you might have been similar, I, I don't mm-hmm. know, I, you and I have had some discussion about where you came from and everything, but when we were growing up, Bubba and I are products of Alabama, so when we were growing up, we were trained really quite well with rifles and shotguns, but handguns, uh, you know, your dad certainly had one, but I don't remember, for some reason, my dad always made sure I knew how to use hunting, uh, you know, weapons, but, but never really self-defense weapons, and I know hunting can be self-defense. I, you know what I mean. I'm talking about a handgun which is what I'm talking about. And, and I wasn't very well trained with that, even though my dad had one, and he was very good with it. He didn't work with us with that as much, and I know that Bub and I both have tried to make made an effort to, to do that. But um, when, just because you want to come in and get a handgun, it, it seemed like with us you kind of get to know the people to find out which handguns work best for the person. And I, and I think a lot of times people just go find one, they buy one, and it may not be the right gun for them.
2: And then I tell them guns are like shoes. You can't have too many. Right. And so they, uh,
1: well, they have different uh, applications. That's I correct. mean
2: and Different purposes.
1: I know a lot of people that want to get the biggest gun with the biggest bullet they can get and then carry it around with them. And, and then they look sad when their pants are hanging down. Yeah, right.
2: I find that, that um, most women that come in, their husbands, their dads, their brothers, Have purchased what we call a J-frame, a small five-shot revolver, but the recoil—the recoil is is just horrible on it. And so they shoot it once or twice, and they they just don't like it. So getting a gun that fits—that fits your age, fits your personality, fits your uh, demeanor—with a caliber that's consistent is. um, is I had a lady the other day; she was 78, um, in terrible shape, had not taken good care of herself, and she had a 22, and she said, "I love my 22. It doesn't have much recoil. It doesn't have much kick." and you know, my husband wants me to shoot a nine millimeter. It's, got, it's just horrible. I don't like it. How can I convince him the 22 is a good cartridge? I said, as a joke, we can go home and shoot him. No. You know, it's, it's absolutely a dangerous weapon. And, um, and there's been some my,
0: pretty famous well, murders that, that the 22 got it done.
2: Um, Chapman killed John Lennon with a 22. John Hinckley almost killed President Reagan. Yep. Um Sirhan, Sirhan killed Robert Kennedy with a 22 because I told her it was a joke before I said it right. but that that little tiny bullet is just as dangerous as a big bullet it depends on where you put the hole yeah and that we have to and train and how much
1: it bounces around in
2: there uh, right? we have to train for accuracy first and then we train for speed
0: and do, do you find that uh, and I, and that, that women seem to be able to be more accurate than men overall
2: but 80% of the time the woman outshoots the man if they've never shot before yeah, if they have well, no why training. do
1: you think that is?
0: Uh, they come
2: and pay attention to learn, and the guy already knows when he gets there what's going on, when in fact they probably don't. And I'm a guy, I do the same thing. Uh, what I do you think, directions. as
1: far as yeah. aiming and firing, most people, what's the biggest mistake uh, you see in accuracy? Speaking uh, of that,
2: how they press the trigger, jerking or slapping the trigger. If you're right handed, it makes the gun go low and to the left. If you're left handed, it makes the gun go low and to the right.
0: So that's, that, and then we're talking about with handguns, that's the correct. biggest mistake. That's
2: correct. With a rifle or a shotgun, you've got a third point of contact. makes it a lot easier.
0: Yeah, it is. And, and, and one of the things, too, is it, there seems to be people who know they need the firearms. And like Bubba said, and the first thought is they want to go out and just start grabbing things off the shelf and, Correct. and stockpiling and, and getting ready. But if they don't know how to use the weapon, they're not going to be very effective with them.
2: And some people buy pretty, and pretty may not be the proper firearm for them.
0: Yeah. So, so what do you mean by that when you say they, they
2: just think it looks nice? Oh, it's got a, you know, a pearl handle or whatever it may be, and that may not be the proper caliber, the proper size for their personality their physical fitness.
1: James, can you talk a little bit about you? You were talking about twenty twos versus something larger, and 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 like in physics, and you are dealing with physics when you're talking about a bullet firing. Uh, there's always a trade-off. Correct. A heavier gun. Is not going to have as much recoil, but it's going to be a whole lot harder to carry in your pocket or in a hoster because of the weight. So everything is kind of a trade-off. If you get light and you get easy to carry, you're going to have more recoil, right? So that goes back kind of to the personality and, and the need, right?
2: Correct. There is no paradise here on earth. There is no perfect handgun. If your car runs out of gas, it's hard to push your car off the street because it weighs a lot. If your bicycle flips a chain, it's easy to push your bicycle off the street because it doesn't weigh much. So a heavier gun is going to absorb some of that recoil more so than a light gun. A larger gun that fits in your hand that has more tactile surface area on the grip will absorb more recoil than a little bitty small gun. But the small gun's easier to carry. Some people will will train with a great big heavy gun but carry a small light gun, which is fine as long as the switchology is the same, as long as both, both um, firearms work the same way. If one has a safety and one doesn't, you need to train yourself in the firearm that you're going to carry because when it comes down to uh, an incident, the law of primacy and muscle memory will take over.
0: Yeah, so, so you, you have to, just like anything else, and I think what happens is, and speaking for myself too, you get these weapons, and you kind of hope and pray that you never have to use them. Oh, you do. Uh, but, yet, but yet, if you handle your training that way, and I've been guilty of this, if that horrible moment arrives that you have to use it if you're not well trained on it you you spend all this time getting something to protect yourself but you really are not ready to protect yourself
2: it's like it's like riding a bicycle you know when you first learn to ride the bicycle it's really hard your parents are holding on to the seat uh, and you're scared to death and two weeks later you've got your arms crossed and you're turning corners without touching the handlebars you've become an intuitive bicycle rider and so becoming an intuitive shooter will help you in that moment of stress when you have just a second or two to react.
0: Well, we'll come back. We'll continue our conversation. We're talking to Jim Brandt, and, and Jim uh, has, has served us, uh, you know, in in the FBI. He also has worked with every kind of uh, gosh, I mean, gun you can think of. I, I, you've worked with a lot of them. Yes. And uh, he's helping us today to try to talk about, you know, we've got a couple of cases we're going to talk to him about when we come back. When Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. All right, so we would, do want to talk about this Raycon. And, Bubba, I guess we get probably as many – Emails about Raycon, uh, as, as we do any product we've ever endorsed. Uh, and, and seamless Bluetooth pairing and, and a comfortable noise-isolating fit is important when it comes to earbuds. Nobody wants to get earbuds that you, you don't like wearing them because they're uncomfortable. Uh, kind of defeats
1: the purpose, yeah, are, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, or they look goofy or they don't sound good. Uh, the everyday earbuds come with three new sound profiles, too, to make sure you're listening to the sound uh, at its best with just the right amount of bass. So like pure mode would be like when you're listening to blues, so you're listening to podcasts, uh, you're listening to instrumental. But if you're listening to rock and heavy, you want to be in the balance mode. If you like hip-hop, um, reggae, you want to listen to the bass mode. They, they offer eight hours of playtime, 32-hour battery life, and, boy, are you going to love, love the price. Go to buyraycon.com slash pod. So that's buyraycon.com slash pod, and unlock an exclusive deal of up to 20% off your Raycon order. You need to hurry because this offer is available for a limited time only, and you don't want to miss it. So we're getting you additional savings off earbuds that are already less expensive than some of the other brands you see out there, but work just as well, if not better. Buyraycon.com slash Rick Pod to unlock up to 20% off your Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash Rick Pod. Jim Brandt uh, is our guest, uh, retired as uh, a special agent for the Uh, for the FBI, has uh, now helps train people with proper use of firearms, and he's our guest on this
1: edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Jim, talk to us a little bit about the law of defending yourself, and of course we've seen this uh, in recent court cases, but just for the Reader's Digest version for moms and pops out there that that carry or have thought about carrying? What, what does the law say, and how does it vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction?
2: I'm, I'm, I'm not an attorney, but I can give you kind of the Reader's Digest version. Um, you have to consider that your life's in danger. What's the threat? The, the shooting in, in uh, Georgia where the three men were convicted of, of killing the jogger, um, you know, they instituted that. He was just jogging by. There was no danger. They, they threw themselves into it where you look at, uh, like the um, Rittenhouse case, he felt his life was in fear and he was found not guilty. In the state of Alabama, you have the uh, the castle doctrine where if somebody breaks into your home, it's your castle, and you have the, uh, the, the right to defend yourself. I would never shoot anybody for property, only if your life or somebody else's life is in danger.
1: So, you know, I'd always, and I say this, heard it as a joke, but growing up, I always heard... That if someone broke into your house and you shot them, and they fell outside to drag them back in the house. I mean, is that part of that concept?
2: Well, then you're tampering with evidence, and you've,
1: you've yeah, you don't recommend that. But yeah, I always that, heard that,
2: that. That's a uh, that's that's a great way to get convicted. Oh, really? so so, that Yeah, you would not advise that. No, sir. Uh, when to mess with evidence before law enforcement gets there would be foolish.
0: But let's say that they are inside the house versus outside the house, and nothing's been tampered with. Inside the house, better. Yes. Okay.
2: Because you have you have a
1: threat, an immediate threat, an immediate then. threat, right? Yeah.
2: And yeah. what you say also is something. If you, when law enforcement comes, you say, "I shot the guy twice in the head. He's dead. Get him out of here. He's bleeding on my carpet." That's one thing. Or if you say, "I was really concerned. I was in fear of my life. I asked him to stop. He wouldn't stop. I shot to stop the threat. I hope he's okay." How you present it to law enforcement uh, is important, also.
0: Really? Yes, sir. Yeah, so so that, that they're already establishing what happened here.
1: Yes, sir. And so, the intent behind right. it. correct, that's intent.
0: So if, if you are, and I know this is this is one of those areas, and 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 I know where you're going here, and and I understand it. Talk to to us about because a lot of people, even if they have a a handgun, me included, they're uncomfortable having one chambered, ready to go, uh, so they won't chamber a bullet. Uh, you and I have had the discussion. You are an expert with Glock, so I do want us to talk about this. About does it have a safety? Does it not have a safety? No, it doesn't. Yeah, and and uh, but but talk about your view of that. If you were training someone on why you do need to learn to be as safe as possible, but but does that small amount of time that it takes to chamber one? Just, just talk to us about that. Well, that.
2: That can make a difference. Some people will keep the gun locked up, the magazine in a separate place. They have to go find the key, unlock the gun, find the magazine, load the gun, and charge the weapon. Generally you would say that that's too long. Yeah. But if somebody is uncomfortable with having a loaded gun in the house, they need to continue in practice to get to that point where they are comfortable having the gun loaded.
0: If you have children in your home And, and I you do. Yes. And you do, and you still want to be ready to go and to give you and your family the best shot against an intruder okay that means harm so what would tell people what they should do to be as safe as possible but also be ready what's the balance of this
2: I have a nine-year-old and 11-year-old that live with us part-time and um, they're both excellent shots they know muzzle safety gun discipline that type of thing but my guns are locked up when they're in the home the gun is locked up Um, I trust them they're wonderful children but they're kids right Um, so my gun
0: is loaded, but it is
2: in a, a container that you have to use a combination, uh, to an electronic combination to, to retrieve the weapon.
0: So in that case, you you error to safety for the children Correct. versus the time it'll take you to get the gun.
2: Correct. Somebody could steal my gun, they could steal the box. But it keeps somebody, even a, uh, somebody coming in the home to, do, to work around the house, be it a plumber or carpenter, they're honest people, but there's no sense anybody seeing you have a gun laying around. It should be where people can't see it and that it's secure.
0: So you're saying secure and ready to go with the safety on yes sir is better than secure with n- without one chambered with the safety on
2: uh, if you feel more comfortable having the gun in the home with the round not in the chamber then that's what you should do but work, practice, and train till you come to a point where you do feel comfortable
0: doing that. Just minimize the time it takes you to get ready.
2: Correct. Yes, sir.
0: And just go into the training saying, this is how I want to operate.
2: Correct. Of course, if somebody breaks into your home, the first thing you should do is escape. Because if you're not in a gun battle, you won't get shot. Right. So escape if you can, hide if you can't, and fight if you have to.
0: That, that's your order of, of how yes, it sir. goes? Yes, sir. You know, don't, don't, don't start out in a shootout.
2: Correct. And having an alarm system is really the best thing you can do. When the alarm goes off, law enforcement's on its way. And when seconds count, they're only minutes away. So you have to defend yourself until they get there.
1: Jim, I I think you make a great point because we're used to seeing TV where there's a gunfight and the good guy hits the bad guy and the bad guy misses. Or stormtroopers, which never hit anybody. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, you may be in your right, but you want to survive a conflict. There's always your day in court to argue what happened but to avoid a gunfight is the way to go yes sir
2: and over penetration is a big problem if you shoot and miss a nine millimeter will go through 11 sheets of drywall wow where's the bullet going it goes in down the hallway into the bathroom out of the bathroom into a bedroom through that bedroom into another bedroom before it stops that's a problem
0: yeah it, when you're shooting in a house uh, and, and you don't hit yeah. other people. Yeah. Well, and, and, and if it's close range, w- w- what can it do after it goes through a person?
2: That's right. Well, uh, if you use a bullet it, that meets what's called it the F- all a protocol, that, yeah. it, uh, the um, protocol is to travel at least 12 inches, did a major organ, but no more than 18, so it doesn't go through the
0: bad guy and hit a good guy. Right. So there's so, a reason we do that. That's correct. So if you, if you do end up, okay, in a bad situation, and you've walked through the steps, like you've said, and you said, I got no way out. I am in danger. This person means me harm. I have the weapon. I am ready. And we'll say it's a handgun, okay, because mm-hmm. it usually is. W- what is your advice on, on trying to take away this person's ability to hurt you? And you're also hyped up, so it's not like we're target shooting. So, what is your advice on the placement uh, of, of, of the shot? Center of
2: mass. Center of mass? <clears throat> yes, sir. Uh, I show four gun battles in my classes, um, and all those gun battles are over in less than two and a half seconds. And people have to decide, is there a problem? Can I get involved? Should I get involved? How am I going to solve the problem, draw their weapon, and fire? I've got one scenario where a law enforcement officer stops a guy, tells him to take his hands out of his pocket. The guy pulls the gun out. He moves the gun out of the way with his left hand, shoots him three times with his right hand, backs up and says shot's fired, and another guy attacks him from his right. Mm. so in less than three seconds he's involved with the shooting with a guy trying to kill him and he doesn't shoot the guy that's attacking him because the guy raises his hands about three feet from him excellent law enforcement work people talk about uh, defunding the police department they need to spend more money training so they fight like this gentleman did he did a great job
0: and and I think this notion to (laughs) rid ourselves of law enforcement because they can't be trusted may be one of the most asinine things we as of a society have ever entertained. Well, if, you
2: look, <clears throat> if you look at how crime has increased in California and Chicago and places like Seattle, that. Seattle, yeah. Yeah.
0: Portland. Yeah, that kind of
2: proves the point.
0: You've been on the front lines. Uh, social workers and counselors are certainly wonderful people. They are. And they do great work, and I'm thankful we have them. I couldn't do the work they do. But I don't think they're our best front line of defense on, on people who mean harm. I don't think though. So. You're absolutely correct.
1: Jim, the people who would do a home invasion or attack somebody—statistically, what are we? Are we looking at somebody that had a disagreement with them, uh, domestic violence, uh, or how many of these are random people who are on drugs or out of their gourd or just pure evil? I mean, do we do we know kind of what that scenario looks like? If you're if you were attacked, most likely, what would it be?
2: Domestic violence, it's always somebody that you know, somebody that you live with because they are involved domestically with you. Um, the others are generally women more than men, but they're considered soft targets, getting in and out of cars. Um, random homes, they just pick because it looks like an easy target. Basically, the bad guys are cowards. They're looking for an easy mark to get money for drugs. And uh, if you look vulnerable, then you're the one they're going to attack.
0: So we're correct. We've said on the show many times Uh, You have to look at these types of people like the animal kingdom, predators work. Predators want to kill, but they want to minimize the chance they could be hurt or else now it's the end of their deal. So they're not really looking for difficult targets. Well,
2: and that's just it. And if you're going to carry a gun, you should have the proper mindset, the proper equipment, um, the means to carry. um, Get a pistol permit, do what you're supposed to do, train and practice and become proficient with that firearm. Become an intuitive shooter carry the right ammunition, have the right sights on your gun. If you don't have night sights on your gun, you're not going to be able to see them in the dark. So prepare, train the way you're going to fight because you're going to fight the way you train.
0: We'll come back we'll continue our conversation with Jim Brant. When Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. Now, you know, we're we're three guys sitting around here doing a podcast, and I'll be honest with you, not one time have we discussed underwear Uh, because usually when it comes to men, it's not something we talk about a lot. But I will tell you this. When it comes to Tommy John, uh, if, if, you, th- if, if somebody says, I'm going to give the gift to the dudes on my list, the men in my life, the gift of Tommy John underwear, no man will complain. You will not get the, I cannot believe I've been given underwear. Because once your loved ones start wearing Tommy John, the, the, they'll discover they're much more than comfortable. And you know what we can do when you're wearing Tommy John? Everything better. Their lounge wears uh, soft tri-blend, micro, Fabrics mean four-way stretch, no lint balls or fuzz. Don't you hate that when something keeps producing fuzz and lint balls? Uh, Let me tell you, Tommy John, they don't have customers. they got fanatics, and we know. I remember thinking it wasn't that big a deal and going, hey, here's an underwear company. I'm sure they're fine. And, man, I put on Tommy John's uh, underwear, and it was the best pair uh, that I'd ever put on, extremely comfortable. As they say here, everything was easier. Uh, And if you don't think that's the the truth when you put on Tommy John's products, if you don't think that, uh, then it's free. So right now you can go and get 20% off your order, and, man, they've got a lot of stuff that you will love. Get 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba. That's TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba for 20% off. Order now because, you know, some people are having some shipping delays. Order now so your gifts will arrive before uh, Christmas and New Year's. That's tommyjohn.com slash Rick Bubba. So Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, Jim Brandt is our guest, retired uh, from uh, from the FBI and, and and helps people with gun safety now and training, uh, has a lot of expertise when it comes to weapons, and and uh, we've been talking about the proper use of handguns mainly uh, during
1: this podcast. Jim, uh, Rick's heard the story a hundred times. I, I was My dad was a World War II veteran, so I'm a little late on the tree, but... World War Two veterans seem to be a little more straightforward about things. Yes. Foolishness, not yeah. a lot to yeah, yeah. you know in their in their wheelhouse on no, things. No, but uh, I I got my first gun when I was eight years old. It was a lever action uh, Remington twenty two because I love the rifleman, Rick. Of course, of course. And uh, you know we didn't we didn't lock it up. We didn't have a lock on it because he said don't touch it, and I didn't. That's kind of how it worked. Oh yeah, um, but. He, he taught me, and uh, he, he had, i I'll never forget this. He said, especially about a handgun, he said, if you ever take a handgun out, you need to be prepared to shoot somebody, and you need to be prepared to die. In other words, don't brandish a gun because you're only escalating a situation. And we hear about this in road rage a lot, where somebody will flash a oh, gun. Yeah. Not a good idea. No,
2: my dad was a. He fought in the Pacific in World War II. It was a different generation. Yeah,
1: they may have been. been, My dad did too. They may have been in the same place.
2: They're not as quite as genteel as (laughs) uh, society is today. (laughs) No, no, no. So (laughs) no. Yeah. Um. Once you pull the firearm out, now you've you have no more options. If they keep coming, what are you going to do? They're going to take the gun from you if you don't fire. So. Um, that is absolutely the last thing you want to do is I tell people, you know, at, at, I do the security at our church, um, with a, with a number of people. And if, if somebody's approaching you and they're angry, they're upset, hand them a bottle of water or something, let them take that time to take a sip, try to calm down a little bit. There's things you can do to mitigate those type of things, unless their intent is, you know, in, from the beginning is to hurt you. But once you pull the firearm out, then you're kind of obligated to, uh, to you, not obligated, that's a bad word, but. You're, you're
1: committed to you're a, committed. To a situation correct. where life is going to be lost that's correct
0: so let's talk about Alec Baldwin okay we we just had that happen and and there's an interview that's that's uh taking place where he's going to try to sit down now and and talk about it with ABC so there's been people coming out George Clooney even an actor uh, people which who,
1: I was a little surprised George too. Clooney
0: would take issue with what he said yeah. already uh you know we my son uh, he's been on movie sets before and we know people that, that produce movies, direct movies, and, um, and they're really shocked at how this happened. His quote that we do know that he said, and by the time people hear this and watch this, the whole interview has probably been done by now, but, but we already knew going into the interview that he said, I never pulled the trigger and pointed the gun at anybody. Uh, I guess he's going to say it fired as he took it out of the holster. Uh, so you and I have had some discussions with this. I've told Bubba what you and I have talked about before. This is an odd thing that happened that someone could be shot this way on a movie set.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's a very good defense. I hope he's not paying a lot of money for it. Um, the, the weapon was pointed at Miss Hudgens. Yeah. That's why the bullet struck her and killed her and went through her and, and hit uh, Joel Sousa. So there was a lot of issues on that set. Um, the crew had been shooting live ammunition the day before with those guns, apparently. There were two previous accidental discharges on the set, one with the prop master and one with the stuntman. Those are both blanks, though. They'd never had a safety meeting. It was low budget. There were a lot of complaints by people about uh, not being paid, uh, not having the right people on the job. People had walked off. Um, Ms. Gutierrez, Ms. Reed, uh, was recommended by her father. It was only her second job. She said she wasn't prepared for it when she went to the first job. Mm. Um, she mentions most of her time, I guess, uh, on her TikTok account, uh, the script didn't even call for him to pull the trigger. So there, there's a, and then now Gloria Allred is uh, mm-hmm. is defending uh, Mamie Mitchell. And the things that she has said, that Miss Allred has said are inconsistent with the telephone conversation that Miss Mitchell had with law enforcement. So there's a lot of issues there. They're going to they're going to have a problem.
1: How did this gun discharge without him pulling the trigger?
2: I don't see how it did. It was a 45 Long Colt, um, a, a very heavy, slow lead bullet. Um, it it that, had
1: to be cocked to shoot, too, yes, right? It's, I mean, that, there's two things had to happen for this correct. gun to fire.
2: It had, it's a single action. Had, the hammer had to be pulled back, and then the trigger had to be
1: pulled. It's almost inconceivable that yeah. that was accidental without one of those, or at least without the hammer being back. Correct.
0: Now, Doug, you told me early on, and, and I, I, some of this stuff you're talking about now, if you're the person with the gun, you're going to be held to some sort of responsibility in it on something like this. You know, at first he started out saying it's the people's fault that you know, handed and, it. And to they're me. supposed yeah. to have this thing clean before they hand it to me. They're supposed to let it, it's supposed when they hand it to me, they told it, told me it was fine, so it can't be my fault. But you told me, I, I'm pretty sure it was like day one when I asked you about it. If you're holding the weapon and it fires and kills someone, you can't just walk away and say, that's not on me.
2: It's, it's his responsibility. David Hall, the assistant director, is the one that handed Baldwin the gun, and he said it was a cold gun. But the law enforcement pulled over 500 rounds of ammunition off of the set, and How some of them be? were live rounds. How can that be? Why? Why They're, would they be there? The people were out shooting and playing with the guns the day it, before. It just
1: seems like that is such a unwise mix on a make-believe, let's play like we're shooting each other to have live rounds. It just seems like there ought to be some rule against that, if not common sense.
2: You know, Miss Hutchins has, has passed away. Uh, her family's suffering. People that saw it have been traumatized, and the attorneys
0: are going to make a lot of money because this is going to go on for years. Yeah, I'm not suggesting... Just so everybody knows, and I don't think you are either, Bubba. I mean, anything can happen these days. But, yeah. yeah. But, but I'm not suggesting that Alec Baldwin set out to hurt somebody and kill somebody because he had some agenda against them. But it just seems so reckless. I mean, I'm thinking like you, Jim, with your expertise, and supposedly people with your expertise are supposed to be on these movie sets. Would, 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 would this environment have ever ever had? Would you have ever let this, all this stuff happen?
2: No, and there's, you know, there's are safety protocols for using guns. They're well-established. They're straightforward. The weapons are supposed to be tightly managed by licensed armors. Cast members are supposed to be involved, supposed to be trained in gun safety. Ammunition, Live ammunition should never be on the set, and none of that was done.
1: Jim, wouldn't it be this simple, too, because yeah. uh, even at, you know, and there's from time to time accidents in hunting camps, but we're around a lot of guns when we hunt, pistols too most people prefer to carry one a sidearm too if as long as you keep it pointed away from somebody and at the ground you're not really ever going to have a problem are you
2: well the four rules are consider the gun is always loaded never aim at anything you don't intend to shoot keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot and know what's behind the target before you pull the trigger
0: i can tell you guys and and i'm you go the extra mile I can tell you, unfortunately, unfortunately, even with uh, my sons and and sometimes people that I hunt with that have the proper, you would think expertise, mm-hmm. I cannot tell you the number of times because we were always taught this rule by our father, when when the people come to meet you for the walk out, like maybe an ATV's coming to pick you up where you were hunting, or maybe somebody just meeting you and you're walking, or whenever everybody's back together, my dad said everybody has to show the person that you're encountering that your gun is empty and it is safe and that includes not just taking the clip out uh, it includes you you you, you you're going you're, you're gonna open and you're going to breach that gun and i cannot tell you the number of times with the clip gone somebody said uh oh there's a bullet when i said now breach it before we, yep. before you put your gun in here Boom, that bullet flies out I've had i can't it. tell you the number of times that's happened
2: yeah i um we were used to sell guns to law enforcement agencies um at the facility I work at now, and twice I've received guns from a law enforcement agency that were loaded that they had not cleared the chamber mm. and it was somebody in that in that line that got their gun past the armor and into the box before it came to us
0: Well, that's what some of these actors are saying. you know some are big enough actors, they have their own person who checks the gun one more time before it goes into their hand. But most of the actors say, I always clear the chamber and look myself. Absolutely. uh, And make sure it's what it's supposed to be before I start the scene. And uh, now now I know in the beginning, this turns out to be a live round now, right? Has that pretty much been established? Yes, sir. Because we've had accidents in the past. It it, it
1: wasn't a blank at close
0: range. At close range that a blank could actually kill someone.
2: A wax bullet's not going to go through one individual
0: and then strike a second. Right. So how do these people that have been killed prior with blanks, how does that, how does that happen?
2: Um, there was one a famous actor whose son said the gun was unloaded and put the gun to his head and pulled the trigger, and just the blast, the muzzle force, okay. um, punched a hole in his uh, skull and gave him a traumatic brain injury that he died from that
0: day. So just because it's a, it's, a, it's a prop gun and it
1: has a blank in it, it's still very dangerous? Yes, sir. A blank still has an explosion. That's Which correct. is going to be air coming out, if nothing else. That's correct. Some kind of padding.
2: Now, some barrels are plugged mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that the, the force won't come out the front of the barrel. But generally, those are very
0: underpowered. Right. Um, and let's face it, they want, they want it to look real. Correct. So most of what they use, they're, they're not pretend guns. Right? I mean, they're, they're real guns so they can have some authenticity.
2: And that's what happened in this case.
0: Right. And some of these older guns, when you're trying to do these Westerns, I, I assume that you really got to know what you're doing there.
2: Most all of them are single action only. Damn. You have to pull the hammer back before right. you press the yeah. trigger. Yeah.
1: Jim, let, let me ask you this, and, and this may be more in the legal world, but just to get your opinion on it, I know even in our state uh, a while back there was quite a bit of discussion about open carry versus private uh, property owner's rights. H- how does that shake out? Who Who has the final say in that, and is it just up to the latest interpretation? The state of Alabama is an open carry state. So So what does that mean? Explain that to everybody, exactly what we're talking
2: about. You can carry your gun on your person exposed without
1: a license. It's only when you conceal it and hide it that you need to be permitted.
2: Correct. And in your car, when you close the door, it's then considered
1: a concealed weapon. So how does that affect you carrying it onto private property of someone who may not desire that you have it there?
2: Then you're trespassing.
1: So the property owner would have, I guess what I'm looking at, the two, the two rights, one to carry, one to have private property. When those two collide with each other, the property owner is the last say.
2: I, I don't know that to be a fact, but I would assume so.
0: Yeah. All right, we'll come back more with Jim Brant Rick and Bubba University. The podcast continues. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We are on fire for, for, the, for the Groove Life products. I mean, uh, look, we're loving Groove Life. Do you remember, Bub, when I came in with these, these belts
1: that they have, and they've got the magnetic? Somebody got mine, by the way. I had it in here as a demo, and somebody walked out with it because I was looking for it. Well, you know, whose britches do I need to check?
0: Well, let's face it here at this here at this show, we're down to one. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, so I did not get it though. I, I, Are I, they doubling up? Yeah, I would like to have it. Yeah, uh, but somebody also th- this Groove Life hey, belt, you, it, it is so cool and. And the way it fits, and the way it operates, and the strength of it is just phenomenal, and, and the flexibility in it. So you need to look at the belt that they have here. It, it the Groove Life belt is belt is fantastic. Now Groove Life also has these these breathable silicone rings. You know this is the thing now. A lot of times when you you go out to do work, or maybe you're working out, and you don't want to have you know your gold or your platinum uh, ring that you that you have, but you still want to let everybody let the world know. Uh, that you're married to the most wonderful woman in the world. Uh, well, these breathable silicone rings. If you're wearing it in place of, of, you know, your metal rings, or you just like to wear them for style on on any finger, uh, man, the, the, the grooves in the ring let air in and moisture out. It's so comfortable, you you really forget you're wearing it at all. So uh, we love the groove belt. We love these uh, these groove rings, and you can get yours right now. Uh, the warranties on their products are through the roof. Uh, they, that Groove Life has a 94 year, they call it the no BS warranty on every product they sell, uh, cut it, stretch it, lose it, break it. No problem. Groove Life will always replace it. That's how good these products are. And you'll love it right now. Let's get you 15% off your Groove Life order right now. Go to GrooveLife.com with the promo code Rick Bubba. That's GrooveLife.com promo code Rick Bubba to save 15% right now off these incredible products. All right, Bubba, we're back on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Our final uh, uh, part of the podcast is upon us. We're talking to Jim Brandt. We've got a few more minutes.
1: Jim, we've just peppered you with questions yeah. today. I appreciate you uh, being uh, open enough to try to answer these best we can. We haven't really put them in any kind of order that no, made sense. I but, just
0: think I got Jim here. I got questions I want to ask. Yeah, I, ask I
1: know. Uh, I wanted to ask you about some of these uh, cases. You've been an investigator, and you may not want to comment or speculate, but. I know you don't know all the facts, but maybe just kind of point out some things or give us your opinion on it uh, that that are still unsolved in our country. And one we've talked about on the show a lot is this John Bonet Ramsey deal. That, that was such a strange case and still unsolved today.
2: Yeah. Have you, um, have you ever read the interview of the female police officer, the first responder? Mm-hmm. No. Um, she made the comment that when Mr. Ramsey came up the stairs, he looked at her and she looked at him and. She said, I know he knows that I know he did it, which is kind of confusing, wow. but yeah. she said there was no doubt in her mind when she saw him in the stairwell that he was the one wow. that had hurt his child. Really? It's it's a pretty interesting interview, and, and it happened instantaneously. So, you know, her, her working these homicides for years and years gave her sort of an a, 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 an instinct, and she may have been wrong, but she felt, at that point, that that uh, he was the number one. Your son. instinct,
1: but, but there wasn't any proof to back that
0: up. That's right? correct. And that's correct. and like you said, with your instincts over the years, I bet you do establish. You know, you 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 are there are some assumptions that you can make. You have to be able to prove them in court. I'm not saying anything, correct. but you do learn. This is usually how somebody acts when this is going on, and this is how somebody acts and. You know, and I, I can tell you right now that what I just saw in that guy's face means this. I bet you do establish those things.
2: And and you have to, as you do interviews, you have to decide, usually within the first few seconds, whether somebody's lying or not, because that, that kind of sends the path of the interview for the rest of the time you're together. So
1: a lot of mistakes were made in investigating that, at least on the documentaries we've seen. One, letting the family stay in the house because it was Christmas. I mean, that's an active mm-hmm. crime zone. Don't you normally... You block that off and, and nobody's getting in there for days or weeks, maybe. Yeah,
2: I would think they would had they known it was gonna become a social media event, I'm sure they would have done things differently.
0: Yeah, and then you know, we mentioned Rittenhouse in passing. He certainly was found innocent, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh but but looking at what happened as far as him going there to begin with. Now that now that, that he was found innocent. And right. and he, he did in this particular case, did he handle himself correctly?
2: I think he did. He um he went there to uh, Protect a business called Car Source.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, some friends of his, and he went there. He had some training uh, on the firemen and some medical training, is my understanding. Um, the the prosecution was just, in my opinion, was terrible. Right. Uh, Mr. Benger, you know, waving the gun around in the courtroom. Right. Right that was signature. crazy.
1: Right after we'd had these other cases of accidental firing.
2: Correct. The first paragraph I was I was looking at this the other day is a guy. Um, from that that area, who says, I've spent the past couple of weeks riveted by the murder trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. The white teenager shot and killed two people and injured a third during the the Black Lives Matter protest and civil unrest in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And then it becomes even more slanted after the opening paragraph. So he had a lot of of, um, media, legitimate media, and social media against him before it even started. Right. Uh, The guy, I hear a lot about the, the fellow that he wounded, that he shot in the arm,
0: yeah.
2: um, he did have a pistol permit, it just expired. So people say he was a convicted felon. If he had a pistol permit, my guess is he really was not. So I right. think there's been some bad information out about that also.
0: Yeah,
2: um, One of the people that he shot uh, was shown to have a pi- uh, um, bipolar disorder and uh, it gives credibility to, to that he was an, an unstable aggressor when he came after him. Yeah. Um, the, there's conflicting testimony, but the the guy, uh, Craig, I can't pronounce his last name, the 27-year-old paramedic that he shot in the arm, Yeah, uh, he does admit to pointing the handgun. He had a Glock pointed. Yeah. He said, I don't shoot people. That's not what I do. Then why does he carry a gun and point it to people? Right. So there was a lot of real inconsistencies
1: there. Yeah, as far as, yeah. as defense, when you got down to the exact acts of what was going on, it looks like Rittenhouse was in his right. But, as I've always told Rick, uh, my, we, again, saying for my dad, if you want to look for trouble, it lives on Trouble Street, and if you don't want to get into trouble, get off Trouble Street, don't go looking for it. And going there at least appeared to be a hot zone where things could happen.
2: Right. But he was going there to help a friend protect
1: their business. So it wouldn't be damaged. So, so you have to... You have I'm not to, saying he did anything right. wrong. Obviously, he was acqu- acquitted in court. Right. But... You know, if you had to do it over, you'd probably just stay at the house.
2: Correct. But he was there to, to stop trouble, not cause it. Um, you know, and I think that, that uh, Binger in the very beginning, when he turned to him and said, you never talk to anybody until you've come to court here, he's he's attacking his right to remain silent. I think that right there could have been a mistrial had he been found guilty.
1: Yeah. Do, I, do you think the yeah. prosecution was just under political pressure? You had the president calling him a white supremacist and all this stuff. It really was just a bad case for them to prosecute when that's you really get, look now at all the facts.
2: Yeah, and Greg, uh, he's filed a lawsuit, and in the lawsuit it says um, that officials in Canosa illegally deputized a roving militia, of white national vigilantes. <laughs> so there, you know, there's, and this has been published, so that's factually incorrect.
0: Right, and him coming across state lines, that wasn't yeah. correct. And and, yeah,
2: having a barrel that was too short was incorrect. And so yeah. there was, there's been a lot of really bad information. But he was found by a jury of his peers not to be guilty.
0: Well, Jim, thanks for being with us. Uh, Jim, we could talk. We, you know, we've got a on, hundred on more questions. Yeah, we you do. could probably tell. We, we might have to do <laughs> Jim Brandt part two. Uh, but thank you for all you you are doing, and thank you for being such a wealth of information. Thank you for the things you've already done that people don't even know about that have helped. Uh, yes, for serving our country. So we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we do. And, and thanks to all of you for joining us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.